Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Orton Gillingham podcast. I'm Esther, and I'm here with Katie. Hi. And we have a lot to talk about today. We do, and it's Thanksgiving week. It is. It is. We're getting ready for that turkey. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we talk about Thanksgiving, we need to talk about Halloween. And I must bow down to the queen of Halloween. Yes. Katie won our... Put it on, Katie. I'm trying. Katie won the contest for best Halloween costume. And there she is. (laughs) It probably won't stay. You don't have to wear it the whole time. But she did. Her costume was... Very fun. Um, and so congratulations to Katie who Thanks. won. I knew she was gonna win anyway because that is I knew not it. a fighting spirit. I know, right but there. I know when I'm beat. So um so that's it. I loved yours actually. It was good. It was, I was scary. Yeah. And the picture that was put together with you and the Yes. Ball of fire. Um so I thought they turned out cool. Yes, that was very cool. Thank you, Morgan. Yeah, thanks, Morgan. And Morgan made this. Lovely crown, so thank you. Yes, it was in- an engineering feat. It is. Yes. It took her many hours. Yes. So anyway, that's Halloween. Moving on to the next holiday coming up soon just, for us. Oh, that we could just eat. That we can just eat. We don't have to dress up. <sighs> no. Okay, good. Eternity <laughs> pants. I haven't been pregnant for uh, at least eight years. <laughs> And I keep my maternity pants. Just for Halloween. Or no, for Thanksgiving. I mean Thanksgiving. That's what I meant to say. Halloween too. You know, why not? Candy. Costume. Candy. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Okay. So Queen of Halloween. Yes. Um, And, oh, did you know that this is Author's Day? I did know only because it was right there on our outline. (laughs) And we were going to talk about... Who our favorite authors are. Yeah. Who's yours? Well, so I feel like I talk about a lot of uh, children's books, Mm -hmm. but I I love a lot of different books, but I don't have like an author as an adult that I follow, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So Roald Dahl. Oh, love him. Did I say that right? Roald Dahl. Roald Dahl. Yes. Wait, I say it weird. Well, that's (laughs) all right. (laughs) When I heard you say it after me, I was like... That's how I say it. Maybe I say it wrong. I don't know. He's a genius. Genius. If you're not familiar, Love. I mean, he wrote so many of the Ugh. classic books. Yes. BFG. He has the best character names in the world. Yes. So I love creative. It. Yes. So uh, James and the Giant Peach. All of those. All of them. Matilda. Ugh. Oh, so good. I know. Very I love. Very fun. And very I fun. still read them. And they're for adults too. Yeah. Well, I have kids, so I read them. <laughs> but I know, but they're good for adults. Oh, and they kids, are kids because they're wonderful. They totally. Well, are. my my author. I have so many authors that I love. Yeah. It's very hard to pin it down, but I always say that my favorite. I love the book A Room with a View. I love it. It's about this English, you know, um, aunt and her niece who go along to go to Florence, and they, you know, they 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 are in Florence. Um, and then they then there's part of it that takes place in England, but it's a it's a real it's by E. M. Forster, and it's my one of my favorite novels. And I love E. M. Forster, and he wrote Howard's End and oh, A Room okay. with a View and Passage to India. So he wrote a lot of amazing things, and so I I just love that book so much. Yeah, and, and I mean I have a book, uh, The Glass Castle. Have you ever? I've heard you talk about that before, and I have never read Jeanette that. Walls. I have never read that book. Yeah, it's. Uh... 
it's not like a, it's a memoir. Uh-huh. And I just think the whole story is fascinating. I love memoirs. I need to remember that because you've mentioned that before. And, you know, I've read it a few times. Mm-hmm. It's just, I love reading about stories when it's somebody's life and they've been through mm-hmm. so much and mm-hmm. you're like, why? How am I even complaining about my day today? That's right. That's <laughs> like, good. Yeah. You know, it yeah. makes you feel very lucky. So you read A Room with a View and I'll read The Glass Castle. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll do have a, a discussion. Club. Okay. Okay. I love it. I love it. Very good. Um, so, yeah, Author's Day. Yeah. And then also, this is not, oh, um, we had our contest mm-hmm. about uh, the mystery woman. And we did have a winner. So we so we asked a bunch, we gave a bunch of hints um, about right. a woman who was um, a famous historical woman. Um, and that was for Women's Equality Day or something. That's what that was for, yeah. I believe. And so we gave some hints, and um, we have a winner. We do have a winner. Uh, Ryan, he got it right. And the answer was Ida B. Wells. Mm-hmm. And so he won a $100 Visa gift card. That's pretty good, Ryan. Hope you didn't right spend it all in holidays. one place. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Perfect, yes. Nice job, yes. Ryan. Yes. Um, so today, though, we are here to talk about the science of reading. And that's something that we hear all the time now. And it's not like it's anything new, but it's something that's super important that we've been hearing about Um as far as reading, um, you know, approaches to reading. Um, and so we have a really um, special guest here today. Her name is Penny Ezel. And um, Katie's going to kind of give you a little background about um, uh, Penny's background. But Penny's um, has really devoted her life to to this. Um, and, and, has, and that's why she's here. Yeah. To, for us to pick her brain. And, and we've so met Penny. We have met Penny. I've only I, met Penny once in, in person. Um, and uh, and now this is the second time I'm seeing Penny. Yeah, so. and she she's done quite a few things uh, for us for Brainspring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an amazing resource, and I'll give you a little background. Go now, for Ms. it, Penny. <laughs> um, Penny is an accomplished educator with 23, 23 years of experience who has devoted herself to improving literacy for all students. During her time as an educator, Penny has had the privilege of being an elementary classroom teacher, a literacy coach at both the elementary and middle school levels, a K-12 literacy specialist working with 13 school districts across—I can't speak. Sorry, Penny. Uh, across northwest Arkansas, and the K-4 literacy specialist for Bentonville schools in Arkansas. Penny is trained in BrainSpring's phonics first, structures, and level two training. She was a RISE trainer for the state of Arkansas, focusing on the science of reading, and helped co-author Brain Springs Science of Reading Training. Tut, tut. Mm-hmm. She was also a local letters trainer in Arkansas. She's currently working as an independent literacy consultant with empowering writers as in a can- and is a candidate to become a national professional learning facilitator for letters. Penny is passionate about ensuring all teachers are trained in the science of reading so they can turn so they can in turn provide the best reading instruction to their students. A well-trained teacher can make a huge difference in the life of a child. She believes that teaching kids how to read 
is the most important thing we do in education. Yes, and you are right. <laughs> I flubbed that up a couple of times. <laughs> Penny, I am so sorry. She needs the science of reading. It doesn't mean that... <laughs> I need the science of reading badly. Welcome, Penny. We're so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. And we were just talking to Penny right before we started. Penny, you know, from that background that I just read, she's from Arkansas. But where did you move to? Watertown, New York. Uh, my husband is in the Army, and they moved us to uh, Fort Drum. And so... Um, experiencing some different weather here than in normal in Northwest Arkansas. So um, we have about 64 inches of snow on the ground um, this weekend. So it was super fun and um, definitely an experience. Did you go out and play in the snow? We went for a walk the right when it started, when we had about a foot, foot and a half. Took the dog for a walk and it was coming down about three or four inches. Um, an hour at that time, but we haven't really done a lot of playing since then. So, well, you need to make a snowman or a tunnel <laughs> or a tunnel, a tunnel out of your house. Yeah. So, so you can <laughs> escape. Well, that's a lot of snow for, for, for us, for anybody. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. A lot of snow. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to talk to Penny uh, a little bit about the science of reading. And, and so we have some questions and, and they'll, they'll lead into other questions and comments and, um, and topics. So, so, um, Penny, let's just get started about, um, something pretty, pretty basic. Um, what, what is your definition of the science of reading? I mean, that's a tricky question because it doesn't seem like there's one specific definition. So what is yours? I think, um, when trying to explain it to friends that are not in education, the easiest way to explain it is, that the science of reading is really just a vast collection of scientific research and evidence that's out there um, from the last 40, 50 years um, that we know based on how humans learn to read. And through all of that research, um, we know how the brain works to be able to read. And it's given us a glimpse of what we need to do instruction-wise to teach kids how to read. There's a lot of um, different theoretical models out there with the simple view of reading or the four-part mental processor, Scarborough's rope, and um, the reading brain when you look at it and how the different parts of the brain work. The beauty of all of those pieces is they do a really great job of showing and representing all of that scientific research. And when you're showing those models to different people, you can really see how they all relate to each other. Um, and I think that that's the biggest thing is that we need to take these 40, 50 years of research. And um, now that we know how the human brain learns to read, we know effective ways that we have to teach kids how to read. Um, so that's kind of that's the simple version. It's very complex, and I think that's the hardest part, is that there are so many facets to the science of reading that it's not just one thing. And so that's the important piece of looking at all of that research from the last 40 or 50 years and, and making sure that our instruction 
matches that research. Right. And and that's a big piece that we talk in, about in some of our courses and the course that, that you taught us um, is that even though all this research has been in place for, you know, 40, 50 years or in the works even, that it's not really being reflected as much in the classroom or at the right. collegiate level. You know, mm-hmm. when I went to college, I never, no, ever. And I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old. No, <laughs> I am that old. And, and that for sure was not discussed no, at all. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of leads into like if if we're not seeing this on, you know, collegiate level for mm-hmm. uh, teachers and preparing teachers, mm-hmm. that has to be having a big impact in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So do you notice an impact that it's having in the classroom? Absolutely. So um, like I said, I've been doing this for 23 years. So when I started, um, it was all about full language, balanced literacy. Um, and that's what we learned in college. And so um, we had all of that knowledge and um, I was around when the National Reading Panel, you know, came out, was part of Reading First. And, and through that initiative, we did see a difference in knowing that we needed to have phonemic awareness and phonics and fluency and vocabulary and comprehension. But the thing was, what we did with Reading First was we were still teaching kids with guided reading and teaching them. So we'd have a phonics lesson over here, but then in small group, we were having them do the complete opposite using context and meaning first. And then our last resort was teaching them how to um, sound out the word. Even though we had the phonics over in home group, it was not meshing. And so the biggest change that I've seen in the last eight to 10 years is, um, you know, I think our NAEP scores as a nation um, are not increasing. Um, Been a lot of talk about the reading wars and and those types of things. And um, with our NAEP scores, kids being home in COVID and parents seeing how they're being taught to um, read. If it was a balanced literacy approach, then they were questioning why are, you know, why are my kids learning how to guess at words? Um, but then if they had a science of reading approach, then they can kind of see that um, it's a very structured approach to teaching them how to read. And so I, I think that, um, you know, in these last eight to 10 years, the, the research has really shown um, and come to light of, of what, students need to be doing. A lot of programs like Phonics First um, and other programs out there um, have really had that structured approach to teaching kids how to read, taking that research and applying that. Um, And so I I just think that I know for the past eight years working and training teachers and RISE, training them in um, letters and, and those types of things that it's really given them the knowledge that they didn't get in college to be able to um, look at the programs that they have and see, does this have a sequential scope and sequence of, you know, teaching and is it cumulative? 
Um, so systematic, cumulative, there's so many pieces and explicit that they, you know, didn't learn how to do all of that in college. And so I think that, that that's a big piece and of how, and, and we've just seen, um, I was thinking back, you know, back to the time when we were teaching the guided reading and then we were teaching the phonics, but then in our, in, we started doing RTI and intervention and we were started using science of reading interventions in, and those kids were making progress. And so I think there were a lot of ahas of, okay, if this works for these students, maybe we should be doing this for all, you know, for all students. And I think between that and all of the different um, trainings that are out there now, I think it's finally coming to light that it's not, it's not just one thing that you have to have all of the pieces um, to make it work for kids. So that you, you, you said something that triggered something in my head. So I'm a, I'm a secondary educator. I was a high school teacher and, you know, we for sure weren't, weren't taught how to teach a, a person how to read ever. You know, that was just assumed that by the time they got to high school, they would know how to read. And we know that's not true. Um, so, so how do you see the science of reading working or the, these theories and these, these techniques working with older kids? I mean, we know about how important phonological awareness is. Um, and we tend to think that's something you do with young, young kids, but we know that older kids struggle with that as well. So, so have you, can you just talk for a second about if, if any experience you might have um, using this with older kids? Um, how does that look in their special ed class? Um, that kind of thing. I think, you know, if a child, no matter the age, even an adult, doesn't know how to read, you have to start with the foundational skills with the phonemic awareness and the phonics. But it's also important if they are older that you bring in the morphology piece as well. And so that piece is really important. So not only are you working on the decoding and encoding skills, um, but that you're also working on the morphology and that meaning piece because they're going to be able to more quickly um, get to where they need to on grade level if not they not only have the encoding and decoding piece but they also have the meaning piece as well so I think that's an extremely important piece when you're working with those older students that um, some programs um, do all of the phonological awareness and kind of basic phonics pieces first and then at the end so it may be three years before they're able to get to the morphology piece and I think it's important to kind of do those things alongside each other um, because they can learn both um, at the same time yeah wait that that brings up a good question what because that sounds familiar to me I think it is familiar, too. <laughs> I was going to ask, though. I was actually going to ask this question, um, but it was a good segue into our structures program. Yeah. But I was going to say, outside of we have our structures program, we have phonics first, if there are any resources that you would recommend? Um, William Van Cleve's website, even though he's not oh. with us anymore, Yeah. His resources that are on his website are from uh, phenomenal um 
He has some different things on there. I think y'all have it in, on the BrainSpring website too. I think I saw an email that came through that it's the PS uh, prefixes and suffixes. And, and then there's a more advanced uh, copy of that as well. So there's like two volumes of that book. Um, I also like, there. it's a, I'll have it in my, in the other room. Um, it's a yellow and green and purple book that has a lot of morphology pieces, um, in it as well. Yeah, we do, we do, um, we, we love his stuff and he does such a great job, um, with, uh, with, with Orton Gillingham, really Orton Gillingham techniques with, with very complex, you know, uh, rules, you know, grammar rules and syntax and, and really does a wonderful job. Yeah, we do have um, his Writing Matters book um, that we encourage people to look at. But yeah, um, and of course, of course, the ultimate resource is the David Kilpatrick Equip for Reading Success book that that's all about the science of reading, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's a staple, I think, for any any classroom teacher or any anybody who's teaching. I think. Yeah, and that. that's like, yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be secondary either. No, that's a, anybody. A lot of elementary teachers are using that too. Yes, um, which is it's a great resource. It is. It was definitely a game changer for us when we read that book. Went through the book study. He actually came and spoke to us in Arkansas when um, we were working on the RISE training and the knowledge that we learned about orthographic mapping and how that works for students, um, that sound symbol relationship piece, but then how the orthographic mapping piece works is just, it's a phenomenal book um, to really understand. And the great part is it's not just theory, but it has so many activities that you can use with your students um, to help build that orthographic mapping for them. So, so we've been kind of talking about the science of reading and about kind of sort of the phonics part of it. Um, but is it just about phonics or is there anything about comprehension that we can pull in? Um, oh, my short answer is absolutely not. I think there's such a misconception that the science of reading is just about um, phonics. So um, when we look at the science of reading, one of the easiest models to kind of look at is the simple view of reading. And so you have the decoding times language comprehension equals reading comprehension. And so phonics definitely falls in that decoding piece because we're talking about, like we've talked about, the phonemic awareness and the phonics and really building that orthographic mapping so kids are able to have that quick sight recognition of words that are stored in permanent memory. But there's also language comprehension. And so that piece really focuses on background knowledge and vocabulary, semantics, syntax, verbal reasoning, all of those pieces that are so important um, that it takes both sides of the equation to truly have a skilled reader. So it's important um, when you're looking at curriculum, you're looking at um, the instruction that you're doing in your classroom, um, that you want to make sure that you're doing both sides of the equation, that it's not just focused on decoding, or it's not just focused on language comprehension, but it really takes both of those things to create a skilled reader. So, you know, use while you're working on the decoding pieces, I'm also reading above grade level 
text to my students to really help build that background knowledge, to build vocabulary, um, and to teach them verbal reasoning skills like inferencing and figurative language and those types of things. Um, the other thing is, is once you decode a word, um, it, you need to go straight to meaning. And I think that sometimes is lost in our phonics instruction, that as soon as a kid decodes a word, you, it goes straight to the meaning processor. Um, and so it's important to have a conversation around that word once they've decoded it. And once you've looked at a sentence to comprehend that sentence, and even with decodable text, sometimes you can, you know, after they've decoded it, and that was your first, you know, reading of that decodable text to bring in some comprehension questions very quickly after, because our whole purpose to learning how to read is to be able to comprehend. And so that needs to be done very quickly um, once the decoding piece has happened. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Well, we actually, and I'm wondering if you would wanna help us out on this. We actually had a voicemail question ah. um, and we're gonna play it here. And Esther and I were already responding a little bit, but if you wanted to chime in, because this kind of reminded me a little bit about what we were just talking about with yeah. uh, like the morphology piece with older students. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. so can we play that? Yeah, voicemail? let's see if we can listen to this and Penny can hear it. Good evening. So what would you recommend for a 69 year old um, to help me to read what, what course would be? the best one to take at, at this stage. I love, first of all, that she called in and yes. and asked that question. It's yes. a great question. Yes. And I, I always say, you're never too old. Right. And the courage start. the courage that that yes. took. Yes. So how would, I mean, we, we have responded to her, but I think it would be nice for you to um, kind of think about, in light of what we've been talking about today, how would you respond to her? Penny. Laurie, Laurie and I actually had this conversation a couple of weeks ago. Um, I have signed up to um, tutor for the Northern um, New York Literacy Council, and I'm going to be working with adults um, that have not learned how to read. And so um, I just, I can't imagine, you know, that not, you know, just how much reading you have to do in life. And so I was really eager to do something different. Um, and um, as I train teachers still, but um, to kind of do this as a volunteer. And one of the things that I think is that I really, my goal, I'm going to use structures. Um, they've, uh, they're going to allow me, instead of using the curriculum that they typically use, they're going to allow me to use structures with the adults that I'm working with. And so I think that, you know, it is important that you teach them. I mean, you're going to have to do an assessment to see where are they? I think that's the biggest thing is where are they with their phonological awareness, phonemic awareness skills, where are they in their phonics skills? So doing a decoding and an encoding kind of assessment, um, that's going to kind of let you know that area. But I think they've lived life. And so the meaning piece is going to be so important for them. And so teaching them the 
the prefixes and suffixes and the roots is going to be an important piece as well. So um, I think just like we talked about with older students, um, with adults as well, would be, um, it's going to be a new adventure for me. So I'll tell you in, you know, eight months how, how that's going, but um, that's definitely what I would recommend. Yeah. The bottom line is that that regardless of how old you are, right? Um, you still need phonological awareness. You still need to understand what letters are and what they say. And you still need to understand when you put some of those letters together and they create a morpheme that that has a meaning, you know. So all these, and so Penny was referring to the Structures Program, which is a program that includes all of that stuff. Um, and so I'm excited for those adults. And that's how we would respond to our caller as well, is to find a is to learn, not necessarily take a phonics first class. Yeah, that would be I mean, that too would, difficult. Yeah, that's how you teach somebody to read, but she actually needs someone to use the phonics first or structures program with her. And and I think, and we know that it'll work. Yeah. We know and it'll work. Yep. Finding a place that provides that kind of tutoring. Yeah. And actually, yep. we had um, an instructor, one of our instructors, who um, tutored adults mm -hmm. also, mm -hmm. and she ended up tutoring um, a nurse mm -hmm. to help her pass her board mm -hmm. exams because mm -hmm. she was really struggling with this test. Mm -hmm. And our instructor went over all of the roots and mm -hmm. and everything with her and, and did some of the um, phonics skills too. Mm -hmm. But after just doing that, she could read the test. She understood what they were asking. She could study better, and she passed yeah. it. Yeah. And um, yeah. so I've tutored I, um, um, people from other countries as well who are trying to learn to read in English. Mm -hmm. And and that, and using using Phonics First, you know, mm -hmm. using the program. Um, and so it, it absolutely works with. Yeah. Regardless of age, right? Right. Um, so... Um, that I think that that we're all on the same page with that one. Mm -hmm. I mean, so if you if you are a person who struggles to read as an adult, just seek out a, a tutoring center. I would think mm -hmm. you know uh, that 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 teaches multisensory uh, approaches to reading, and I think that's the best part, best way to go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Great. Awesome. Um, so that was from Heather. I don't know if we mentioned. Oh, we didn't. Oh, I, I don't know if we say, mentioned her name. But oh, I'm was, sorry. But yes, thank, that was, thank you, Heather, for for being courageous and reaching out and yes. asking that really important question. Yeah, because chances sure. are there was other people asking that or not brave enough to ask it. And yes. we're just yes. so happy that you were listening and you called in. So thank yes, you. yes. Um, Penny, do you have um, any other um, kind of anything that we haven't maybe covered? specifically that you'd kind of like to say about um about did you call her honey i maybe i did call her honey i think she did no i didn't did i called honey or I, did you say penny i think i said penny but, i was almost but sure you i said can, honey but i will call penny honey too because i have no problem with that i i i didn't either <laughs> i didn't even skip a beat and then i just thought about it i'm sorry that was so rude of me. so yes do you have do any you have any other thoughts yes or anything on um the discussion that we've just had. I think the biggest thing um, that I would recommend for um, for school districts or teachers 
is to really look at the curriculums that they have and that they've been given. Um, and if they've gone through science of reading training to really make sure there's some checklists out there. The Reading League has a really good checklist of what a program should have that meets the requirements for um, the science of reading for both kind of the decoding side of things and the language comprehension side of things. So on the Reading League web website, it's kind of they're not attached to a program or anything like that. So it's a really great um, resource that they have that has a little checklist that you can use to make sure that you aren't missing something because um, a lot of times programs are expensive and so pulling in other things um, to kind of help that can be something that's really good. Um, you also mentioned EL students um, and I think you know a lot of times when we talk about RLs um, we really focus on language comprehension with them, building background knowledge and vocabulary and those types of things. Um, and a lot of our programs that are specific to EL students are more on the language comprehension side of things. But it's really important that they also have structured literacy that's focusing on decoding as well. Um, and so, you know, for example, if you think about this, Spanish-speaking kids that you have. Spanish has 22 phonemes. We have 44 phonemes. There's lots of differences. You can even see with your Spanish-speaking students that a lot of times they'll drop the ends of words, you know, um, when they're reading and, and those types of things. So, you know, providing them with instruction on phonemic awareness and the the phonographing correspondence piece, working on articulation um, and really how does that sound formed because the sounds in their language are formed so differently. Um, I think that's an important piece, using a sound wall to kind of anchor that learning for them. Um, I, I just think so much emphasis is put on language comprehension for EL students and it's very true. They need that piece, but they also need um, the decoding piece as well. I think you said something really important. It, it doesn't really matter what curriculum you're using. You can still apply science of reading, philosophy, and research and techniques to any curriculum, really, to make it more, um, you know, steeped in that science of reading. So, um, so that, I think, is an important takeaway as well, um, that, that we need to just be understand what these what the science of reading is and see how it can fit across the board um, to to any any program whether it's a phonics or a comprehension based program for, or for ELs or whatever um, yeah well thank you so much Penny um, we do have a question for you because at the beginning of this um, interview before we talked to you we talked about our favorite authors do you have a favorite author that you Oh, she's pulling a book out. She's so prepared. Oh, you are. Okay, here. This um, author, um, Andrea, I don't know, I think it's Beattie or... Yes. And she, the Rosie Revere engineer and um, Ada Twist scientist, all of those. She has this new book out and it's Aaron Slater, illustrator. I don't know if you've read this. I haven't. He's dyslexic Aww. and his gift is being um, an illustrator and it's just his journey of 
learning that it's okay to be different and that reading may be hard for him, but um, he has a gift as well. And it's just a beautiful story. My son's dyslexic and he's going, um, he went through um, years of Orton-Gillingham-based um, intervention and he's now getting his associate's degree in graphic design. Oh, so when that congrats. came out, I was just like, it was, um, I just got it a couple of weeks ago. So can you, can you say that, can you say the name of the, the book and the author one more time? It's Aaron Slater Illustrator. Um, it's Andrea. I think it's Beattie. Uh-huh. Okay. I'll have to get yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent book. We'll put that in the show notes too, for anybody who's interested, um, in that. Um, but thank you so much, Penny. Yeah, thank you, you for your time. And you've wow. been so instrumental in in even at, at Brainspring and bringing the science of reading to to all of us, to the instructors, to and then we we bring we take it to the to participants and teachers. So thank you so much for all of your input and your devotion to this. Um, I. I couldn't have done it. Um, I miss having a partner um, and that Kristen and I worked a lot together. Kristen was the other literacy specialist that I worked with in um, Arkansas. And um, she's the one who kind of, we went through brain spring training and some different things, but she's a calc and she has a lot of knowledge as well. And I you know, through those four years of working with her, we were able to to do some really fun, fun things together. So Kristen Cossover, she actually was a guest on one of our previous podcasts. So yes, thank you, Kristen, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Penny. It's been great talking to you. Yes. Thank you so much. And stay warm. Stay yeah. safe up there. Get some snow tires. Yeah. Yes. um so that's our show for today that's our show So just remember to follow us on social media watch us on youtube um send in your questions or you can um also send in a question or a comment in our voicemail Mm -hmm. and all the links for those will be in the description Mm -hmm. and we'll see you next time we'll see you thanks for joining all right see ya bye bye